welcome to the Johannesburg Church of Christ podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to know Christ and to make him known to all nations and people. May this week's message transform your thinking in the likeness of Christ as you get to know him more. Good morning and greetings to all the brothers and sisters from the Southern Africa International Churches of Christ. Un cumprimento especial para todos los hermanos das igrejas de Angola y Mozambique. Uh, el desejo para vocês amor y abrazos fortes desde los Estados Unidos. So I know that right now you're probably wondering two things. Who is this guy? And is he going to preach the whole sermon in Portuguese? Well, the answer to the second question is no, I'm not going to be preaching in Portuguese. But I can't answer who I am. My name is Fenton Gardner. And I'm the evangelist for the Cornerstone Church of Christ in Duluth, Georgia, in the United States. And I have the distinct honor and privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. So I would like to give a, a very special thank you to all the leaders from all the churches and all the countries that are represented today. Thank you for your humility and for the invitation and allowing me to share your pulpit this morning. A very, very special thank you to Timba, Timba and Zamalinda that lead the church in Pretoria as well as Paul and Jackie that lead the East region of the Johannesburg Church. It's been great getting to know you all over the last year or so and, um, and knowing your congregations a little bit as well. I'm sure that you all were instrumental in advocating for me to have the opportunity to speak to you all today. Uh, now, uh, before becoming an evangelist, I was actually a Spanish professor. So I love languages. That's, you know, where the Portuguese comes from. Some people love cars. And know a lot about a lot of different cars. Others may know instruments and know a lot about, you know, know, know how to play a lot of different instruments. Uh, for me, it's languages. But I just wanted to let you know, don't be deceived. That is not standard for my fellow countrymen here in the United States. Uh, you might have heard someone ask before, what do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone who only speaks one language? American, you know, and so that is more of what you'd see here from my fellow countrymen. I'm sort of an anomaly. I'm definitely a strange fellow, but despite all of that, the Lord saw fit to allow me to find a wife and find a good thing. So there's a picture of my family. That is me and my lovely wife, Natasha. Uh, we've been married over 16 years. We've been disciples over 20 years. And uh, we were both converted as part of the campus ministry. I was at Georgia Tech. She was at the University of Georgia uh, about two decades ago. And we have two amazing daughters. Uh, the older one there is Chloe. She's 15 years old. And the younger is Noelle, who's eight years old. And actually, right now, Chloe's studying the Bible. So I'd love for you all to be praying for her. One of my impossible prayers is that by the time she turns 16, which is next year in February, that she'll be a disciple. So please be praying for her. And with respect to my younger daughter, just pray for us as we go through digital learning, you know, trying to basically homeschool my daughter and help her learn over the computer right now during this pandemic. So today I'm going to be talking about the topic of my lesson today is fear of the Lord. What do you think about when you hear the expression fear of the Lord? I mean, you've probably heard someone say before that put the fear of God into him or the fear of God into her. I know for me growing up, I always thought that this meant that I needed to be afraid of God, that I needed to be terrified of God, that I needed to cower in his presence. And while I think that is true, 
As I did my research in preparation for this lesson, I learned something very interesting. The word uh, that means fear in the Old Testament is actually the Hebrew word yira. Told you I was a language guy. And this word has basically two meanings. The first is absolutely to be afraid, right? There are times when we do need to be afraid. If, if you are a willing sinner, an, an enemy of God, right? The Bible talks about it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jesus said, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to lead one of these little ones who believe in me astray. So there are definitely times when we need to fear God in that way. But the second meaning of this word is, is not about being afraid, but it's about being in awe. It's about having reverence or respect for someone. In this case, being in awe of the Lord. And so the title of my lesson today is In Awe of the Lord. Are you in awe, amazed by, in amazement of the Lord? We're going to look at a story over in Luke chapter 5, the calling of the first disciples, where I think we really get to see a story where these guys were in awe of the Lord. So turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin there in a moment. So, you know, a lot of times we're probably more familiar with Mark 1 and, and Matthew chapter 4 as account of the calling of the first disciples. And so we can sometimes get this impression, because those are just summaries of the story, we can get the impression that these guys didn't know Jesus, this random preacher is walking by and he says, come follow me, and they just drop everything and follow him. And that is not, I'd say, the full story. You know, we know from John chapter 1 that Simon's brother Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist. And he decided after John said, hey, that's the Lamb of God, to start following Jesus. He goes and spends a whole day with Jesus. And then afterwards, uh, the first thing he does is to bring his brother Simon to Jesus. At some point, they all go to Capernaum. And apparently Simon has a home there because we know that his mother-in-law is at the house and she's sick. And they bring Jesus to her and Jesus heals his mother-in-law. And then the whole town comes to be healed of their sicknesses and diseases. These guys probably heard Jesus preaching in the synagogues of Capernaum as well. And so what we're going to look at today was not just cold contact. It was not their first encounter with Jesus. But let's read right now in Luke chapter 5 and starting in verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they encountered such a great quantity of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. 
And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So this is the calling of the first disciples. And I really want to look at this story and look at what are sort of three keys or three ways uh, that we can get in awe of the Lord, but also how we can stay in law of the Lord. The first thing I'd like to put before you today is in order to do that, you need to put out into deep waters. Now, what do I mean by put out into deep waters? This had a specific meaning to Simon when Jesus said it to him. But I think for us, what this basically means is this is a call to repentance. This is a call to do something out of the ordinary. This is a call to do something that to you might not seem to make logical sense. But you do it anyway because God is asking you to do it. And I think the entire Bible is filled with stories like this. You think about the start of our faith with our father Abraham. God told him, leave your home and go to a land that I'm going to show you. I want you to leave and go somewhere and I'm not even telling you where I want you to go yet. You think about how the Bible says in order to be exalted, in order to be lifted up, you got to be humble. In order to truly have life, you have to die. I mean, this is the equivalent when Jesus says this to Peter of you need to repent and believe the good news. The issue here, though, is Peter was reluctant to actually obey. And I think a lot of times that can be the same for us. When, when God can call us to something great, there can be a fear. There can be a trepidation. There can be a reluctance to do so. And, and to be honest, it wasn't without reason that Peter was reluctant. I mean, if you think about this situation, for, for Peter to put out his nets in the deep water after he had just worked all night, it would have been inconvenient. He, had already, he was already cleaning his nets. The nets were clean, and Jesus was saying, get them dirty again. For any of you moms out there, it's kind of like you ever had the situation where you mop the floor or you sweep the floor, and as soon as you get done, those mangy kids come running in the house with their dirty cleats or dirty shoes and mess it right back up again. Also for Peter, this would have been tiresome. He had already worked all night long. For us today, it'd be like, you know, you're at your job and you're five minutes from quitting time and your boss comes in and says, hey, I need you to work for a couple more hours on this project before you leave, right? That's tiresome. It also would have been bad strategy for Peter. You see, he was a master fisherman. How do we know he was a master fisherman? Well, from Mark and Matthew's account, we know that they had hired men in their boats. They had partners. They owned their own boats. So, so Peter was a master fisherman, and he understood it's better to fish at night. And here it is the next morning, Jesus is saying, put out for a deep catch. On top of that, the type of nets that they would have used for fishing in the first century were what they called trammel nets. And the fish could see them during the day and avoid them. But at night, you use them at night so that you could catch the fish. They also, these trammel nets were not meant to be put in deep water. They were meant to be used in shallow water. So this would have been bad strategy for Peter to do this. Finally, it would have been kind of awkward and embarrassing. I mean, again, Simon was a master fisherman. And here this, rabbiter, this rabbi carpenter is telling him, hey, I'm going to tell you how you need to do your job. And so it kind of would have been kind of awkward. And so I imagine this scene where Jesus says, put them out. And Simon's down there washing his nets. He sort of looks up at Jesus and he's hesitating. And, and, I'm at, and he's like, Master, but we've worked all night already. And Jesus just sort of gives him a look. Like, dude, 
didn't I just heal your mom? And look, trust me. And so he says, all right, well, because you say so, I'll do it. And he puts his net out, and these guys catch the mother load. I mean, they bring in so many fish that they have to start calling, hey, James, John, get over here. But man, we're set for the next month, or we're set for the next year, or man, look at this awesome catch of fish. And Peter is blown away and amazed, and this all happened because he obeyed Jesus and did something that, quite frankly, would have been out of his comfort zone. Right now, during this pandemic, are you putting out into deep water? In what ways are you stretching your faith? Because just like Peter, there are a lot of excuses we could probably give to not be diving deep. Well, 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 Fenton, there's a pandemic going on. Don't you know? Haven't you heard about coronavirus? And man, I'm stuck in the house. On top of that, I, I can't, we can't even go to church, bro. How am I supposed to be going deeper in my relationship with God? And actually, I think this is the perfect time for you to be going deeper in your relationship with God. I think some ways that we can put out in the deep water is, is, is ask yourself, when's the last time you fasted? Or do you only go on fasts when the church calls for a big fast? Or is that a regular part? Is that a regular spiritual discipline in your life? And I know, man, nobody likes to give up food or TV or the internet, right? But when we do that, it's a form of putting out into deep waters and trying to draw closer to God. How's it been going with your reading and praying? Just being in God's word. Because again, let's be clear. For many people, you don't have a commute to work right now. The kids aren't involved in sports or programs right now. I mean, you've actually probably got more time on your hands than you did before this pandemic. Have you used that to dive deeper into God's word, to get closer to God, to spend more time praying and more time reading? You know, to be honest, when this pandemic first started, I was struggling. I mean, I'm an extrovert. That's, That's probably why I'm an evangelist. I love being out and about and around people and sharing my faith. And I hated being stuck in the house. And I realized that I needed to do something to really keep my relationship with God, to have that spark, to be in awe of God. And so one of the things we did as a congregation, we adopted this book called 40 Days of Prayer by Kit Cummings. And I know the Pretoria Church did it, as well as uh, the East Region of the Johannesburg Church. And man, this was, I think, just a lifesaver for my church, a lifesaver for me, because it really just stretched my faith. And really it made me think about, man, do I have impossible prayers? Do I pray impossible prayers to God? It gave me a a, a sense of, man, this is some good things to study out. And we sort of had the entire church rowing in the same direction. But I had to put out into deep waters. What is the spirit putting on your heart to do right now that would stretch your faith? I think about this one time going on vacation. Uh, We were on vacation with some disciples from Dallas. And uh, the spirit just put on my heart. It was me and this other brother. And we have daughters about the same age. And I said, hey, bro, you want to get up tomorrow, take our girls and go out and see the sun, sunrise? Now, again, we were on vacation, which means you generally get to sleep in. But I said, let's, let's get up at like five in the morning and go to the beach and, and see the sunrise. And I remember when the alarm went off, I just, I didn't want to get up. But went ahead and got my sorry keister out of bed, went and woke the other brother up and we woke our daughters up and we go out there. And let me tell you, that was one of the most amazing things that has ever happened in my life is going out to the beach, praying with my daughter, seeing the sunrise, singing some songs. It's something that I will never forget. 
And it's amazing. That brother, his daughter just got baptized a couple of months ago this year, his teenage daughter. And my daughter's studying the Bible. And I'm not saying it was attributed to that event, but moments like this will put you in awe of God. How are you stretching your faith? What is the Holy Spirit telling you? Or what are you learning from the Word? Or what are you learning from other disciples that would would push your faith to some limits, to get you to do some things that in your brain seem counterintuitive? You know, comfort is a drug. Once you get used to it, it can become addicting. If you give a, a weak person consistent stimulation, good food, cheap entertainment, they'll, they'll throw all of their ambitions right out the window. The comfort zone is where dreams go and die. And so we have to constantly be putting out into deep water in our relationship with God to keep that sense of awe and amazement. And so one thing that I'd like to challenge all of us to do as we close out here, this week, I'd love if everyone under the sound of my voice could decide to read or listen to one of the gospels in one sitting. Take some time this week and sit down and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I did it this past Thursday in preparation for this sermon. I read Luke. Now, I know some of you might be saying, I can't do that. Let me ask you this. Did you watch a movie this week? Or maybe you watched a football or soccer match. Or maybe you binged watch a couple of episodes of your favorite show on Netflix. Well, in the time it took you to do that, about two hours time, you could read the story of Jesus. And I think as we sit down and read it in one sitting, you're going to learn things and see things that you never knew, and you will fall back in awe of the Lord. So let's go after, right, uh, putting our nets out into deep water. Let's focus on the man and not the fish, on Jesus Christ. And finally, let's be fishers of men and women. Let's catch people alive. And that will enable us to have a sense of awe all throughout our lives. Thank you so much for this time to share with you. It's been my privilege. Amen.